Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. Joining us on this show today, Samson Mao and Prince Philip are going to talk to us about Jan3 and their collaboration together, how that came about, how Samson recruited Philip in Miami of 2022, how he and I ended up finding ourselves there was pretty crazy in the first place and sharing an Airbnb together. A few stories come out, many more to tell. I hope you enjoy this rip. Please make sure you reach out to this guy, these guys if you can help in any way at all with their mission of orange pilling nation states or those people in positions of political power or even royal houses. This is what they are setting out to do and they are doing such a great job so far. Hope you enjoy the show. Before we do get into the interview, please, please make time to listen to the awesome companies out there that are going to help you stack sats, keep those sats private, keep them safe, and how you can go and meet other Bitcoiners. SwanBitcoin.com forward slash Bitten. They're based in the US. You can DCA with them. You can contact them. Just DM myself or Corey directly if you want to know about their private service because that is a global service if you're looking to put on $100,000 or more into Bitcoin over the next 12 months. Coin Corner, based out of the UK, you can stack with them euros or pounds. Uh, Smash Buy, set up your two DCAs and start using their Bolt card as well, linked directly to your account. Relay, R-E-L-A-I.ch forward slash Bitten. Very much the swan of Europe. And they have the private service too. So if you do need to put on some bigger size, make sure you DM me. I will put you in touch directly with the private guys over at Relay who can advise you. So even if you're coming out of the UK, you don't have the Euros or Swiss, don't worry. There is a solution and you will be guided for this. Keep those coins safe. As soon as you withdraw them from one of these apps, why don't you try running a few through a coin join service. I've had Max Hillebrand on the show recently. I urge you to go and listen to that. WasabiWallet.io is very easy to use. You just download it. You receive. You, uh, you create a wallet. You receive a uh, hit a receive address and send in some sats. See what it feels like to use. See if it's something you want to play around with. Because once you have them coin joined, you can then move them on to your Shift Crypto ch forward slash bitten bitbox only uh, hardware device or signing device then you're all set that is even if you're just here new that is a brilliant few steps to follow now if you want to get to one of these conferences amsterdam i think you've probably almost missed it if you want to fomo in hit the link in the show notes liberty in our lifetime is coming up on the 21st of october so make sure you get across to prague if you want to come there's a discount for you, code PRINCE at checkout. 
PrintC, or hit the link in the show notes, and Pacific Bitcoin, which is being put on by the Swan team over in the West Coast. Enjoy this rip with Samson and Philip. So are you, is it edited or not edited? Absolutely not edited, and that will stay in the show, Samson. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Pure pure and uncut. (laughs) Pure and uncut. Welcome, welcoming to the Once Bitten podcast. Uh, The the very nervous Samson Mal. Is this your first rodeo, Samson? Yeah, my very first podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the first podcast together, actually. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and Prince Philip is is joining us, and it is uh, the first podcast together. Uh, an auspicious occasion which we are going to talk about but of course lauren is here to ask the first question so i must be quiet so i have like two questions for samsung i don't have any questions for philip sorry philip. yet yes yeah yes <laughs> yeah yeah although you were trolling him at the surf and bitcoin conference in Biarritz, so he's probably he's probably happy to, to not be answering any more of your questions. I feel a little bit rejected, but yeah, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um, so what is a user-activated soft fork? Is that it? You nailed it. That one's to Samson. Are you sure that's your question and not your dad's question? <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, I had to print that out in perfect uh, caps. But, and you did a great job. Thank you. And you're about to get a masterclass. Well, we'll, we'll try. So, so Lauren, uh, user-activated soft fork is basically a software version of Bitcoin that the users run themselves to try to um, force a change uh, in the system through a soft fork. And it's complicated because there's a lot of different things going on there. A soft fork is a a type of Bitcoin fork that does not loosen the rules or make the rules easier. It tightens the rules. So it's like constricting uh, part of the rule set to be more strict. Like when your dad says no, no candy on the weekend or something like that. Right. So I guess the best way to think about it is it's a non harmful way to change the rules of Bitcoin by tightening the rules in some manner. Okay, that that makes sense. Yeah? In a way, yes. Well, there, a was way. A, there was a big fight over a specific uh, rule change. But... Yeah. But does she I... want to know about the big fight? <laughs> or... Yeah, go on. Okay. Samson okay. was part of it. He was really down there in the, uh, in, in the trenches. Okay, well... now I really want to know. Virtual trenches, not real trenches. I know, I know. (laughs) So there was a group of people trying to change the rules of Bitcoin. Um, So I mentioned before, there's the difference between a soft fork and a hard fork. They were trying to hard fork the rule set and basically make make changes to the protocol that could have unintended snowball effects down the road. So what they wanted to do was make the Bitcoin blocks bigger. And that requires a hard fork because you're loosening the rules. And that can allow you to change other things that are critical to Bitcoin, like the supply of Bitcoin. So right now we're capped at 21 million. And technically they could argue, well, we need more Bitcoin. So we're going to double that or quadruple that. And it's a slippery uh, slippery slope. So we were fighting against them, trying to upgrade Bitcoin through a soft fork 
and through SegWit versus just uh, basically making a hard fork, throwing away the old version of Bitcoin and just saying a new version is now Bitcoin. So you can see how that can be dangerous. So we fought with them for a number of years. And in the end, we managed to win because the users are the people that control Bitcoin, not companies or miners or developers even. So the interesting thing about the user activated software was it was not endorsed by the, the main developers of the Bitcoin project. It was really the users of the project that said, we want to have this little piece of software to run. And we think that we need to upgrade Bitcoin in this manner. And then a few developers worked together to create that code. And the users of the Bitcoin network ran the code and forced the big evil uh, conglomerates and miners to bend the knee. Okay. So we have in what we say in the space is rules, not rulers. That's so there right. are rules, which we all follow because we all love these rules and we see them as fair, but there are no rulers. Nobody can say, right, enough of these rules. We're changing the network. Okay. Now I know if someone says that, I know what that means. Yay. Yeah. That was a masterclass like I was expecting. Thank you, Samson. <laughs> what was your second question, though? So why did you hire Prince Philip? Hmm, that's a good question. I think uh, <laughs> well, obviously, there like, oh. obviously, <laughs> obviously, because he's a prince, and uh, you know, princes are cool. And I'm surprised you didn't have a question for him. I thought you'd ask like, "What's it like being a prince?" Right? Uh, that's a typical question. But um, I think Prince Philip brings a lot of interesting things to the table at Gen Three. So Gen Three is a company that we are starting up. It's a Bitcoin tech company. But we're also very much focused on growing Bitcoin adoption around the world, or as we say, accelerating hyper-Bitcoinization. So I think with a very strong background in um, financial assets and the finance industry, he brings a, a more analytical and financially grounded mind to the table. But he also has a very strong network around the world. Um, so the royal families are all interconnected and networked. And that's a very different network than the one I have, which is just Bitcoiners like your dad. So I think it's important for us as we want to grow the Bitcoin pie to bring in new allies into the fold. And I think Michael Saylor was a big addition because he started um, getting corporations to buy Bitcoin and getting companies to be interested in having Bitcoin on their balance sheet as a reserve asset. And now with Prince Philip, hopefully we can bring in some more royal families and also have those connections through the royal families in other countries to the governments of those countries too. And we can try to orange pill them. Okay, now I've got a question for Philip. Finally. Have you, have you met other royal families? Which ones? <laughs> like, I don't know, like English? Um... Yes, I met the late Queen Elizabeth when I was, how old was I? 13 years old, no, 12 years old, or 13. Anyway, I met Queen Elizabeth. Um, I met Prince Charles, now King Charles III. I met Harry and William. Um, and then another royal family, the, queen, the, the crown prince of Sweden is my wife's best woman. That sort of kuma is like best woman in, in, the, in the wedding. Uh, the king of Spain is my cousin. Um, <laughs> I've met him before. I was at his wedding in 2004. I've met, I mean, 
yeah, who else? The King of Jordan, the late King of Jordan and King uh, King Hussein was uh, a good friend of my father's. And now, and I know King Abdullah and his wife. I've met them before. Uh, so I've met a few royal family members around the world, both reigning and non-reigning families, both functioning and non-functioning. As you know, I'm non-functioning, but we all recognize each other as royal families. Is to it? me, you're functioning. We'll be functioning. I'm functioning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm functioning. <laughs> uh, sorry, I have one more question for Philip. Um, is it weird knowing a lot of other royal people that a lot of other people don't know? Is it weird? Well, they're just people. and But they, they, they symbolize something more than... than, than um, look, they symbolize... The nation, they symbolize unity, they symbolize stability. So they actually have a sort of a non-human element attached to them, which is something they can't control, but they have to sort of protect. They have to, uh, they have to, how to say it? It's their burden to, to, to take care of this, of this uh, unique um, position. And it makes a lot of people very proud to be a citizen of that country and it brings a lot of people together and it really creates a, a sense of uh, of peace prosperity and unity and so that's something that monarchy brings which a lot of current political systems naming basically republicanism does not bring at all and that's why not because i'm a prince and that's why i'm, I'm an advocate of uh, of bringing monarchies back because they really do bring peace prosperity unity and succession and a long-term, long time, uh, short, uh, sorry, uh, low time preference thinking that get rid of the instant gratifications of those world. So yes, so when you meet monarchs, you do get this feeling of that they're different, but at the same time, they're just humans. And most of the monarchs I met are just have great characters, great sense of humors or interesting intelligence and stuff because they come from a history of a uh, very cultured background and that's been passed down through generations. So you get a lot of great stories and just experiences so yeah okay that yeah. well okay you're done with questions <laughs> yeah all right cool well do you want to say good night to these guys then yeah bye bye, bye. good, good seeing you lauren take care bye bye all right, all right guys. great great podcast well, yeah done. thanks Wrap it up. done jordis one oh she's even turned the light off yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right so where where to start why don't we start with the formation of jan 3 samson because uh miami was a pivotal point for the three of us uh and uh, our paths crossed pretty hard at that juncture um but leading up to it you had something going on you announced jan 3 in miami uh so what was the lead up to that between you leaving Blockstream, which had been a huge part of your life ever since the um, the, the block size wars, where you uh, you know went across and um, and started working with Blockstream and, and Adam and the, and the rest of the team, to then um, you know come to this point where you're gonna stand up on stage and make an announcement that you're hard forking and starting <laughs> uh, starting Jan three. Yeah, so I guess the genesis of Jan three is the desire to bring about more Bitcoin adoption. 
I think there's two critical dimensions to that. One is mass market adoption, getting Bitcoin into the hands of more people around the world. And I think the the key to that is having a very accessible Bitcoin wallet. And a subset of that is having a Bitcoin wallet that does actually support stable coins because the large the large amount of the developing world or the global south, they still need dollar denominated value. And I see most Bitcoin wallets just don't support that. And I guess a second order effect is we've lost a lot of um, traction and we've ceded territory to the altcoins because they are happy to have stable coins on them. So Aqua is the wallet that we're focused on. It's a Bitcoin and Liquid wallet. And because Liquid has USDT issued in the network, we can offer both things in the wallet and highlight both very prominently. So the hope is that Aqua can be this big on-ramp um, with a lot of integrations to um, fiat services where people can deposit fiat money, convert to uh, dollar-denominated stablecoin or to Bitcoin. But they, at least they have that optionality and that choice. And that, I think, is how we're going to grow the pie. The second part of Gen3 is really the stuff that um, Philip joined for, the nation-state adoption. Um, so we're taking a two-pronged approach. We want bottom-up and top-down. So like I said, with Philip's network and connections, we should have a lot more inroads and opportunities to discuss Bitcoin with uh, governments and um, monarchy around the world. All right. So Philip, throwing this across to you, <clears throat> as we were revving up, looking forward to the um, the big conference that was going to go down in Miami, uh, you didn't have a ticket. I didn't have a ticket. And then you opened your mouth on a chat show and shit started uh, changing very quickly. Yes, so... it did. <laughs> <laughs> and you introduced me to Samson. I remember having a phone uh, phone call with him before Miami saying, we're going to Miami. He says, we'll love to have you on um, on his, on the panel that he's organizing. I thought that was great. And he told me about this company and then, you know, we'll talk about this, but I didn't think much of that at that point. We get to Miami. And by the way, thank you to you for connecting me to Samson and loads of other Bitcoiners out there. You were really quite um, helpful. So we go to Miami together. We have a Airbnb together. And the next thing you know, we are in the conference and I meet Samson for the first time. And we're sat down in the table in the, um, in the, in the, in the chill out area. And he actually, Andre from uh, Madeira was there as well. And Samson says, Hey, I'm, I'm, I want to recruit you for, uh, for the new company, Jan three about nation state adoption. I was like, didn't really think much about it. I just said, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. He said, like, we didn't even discuss the terms or anything. I was like, yeah, we can discuss that later, but I'm, I'm, I'm fully committed to Bitcoin. So let's, yeah, you're Samson. So I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> So at this point, you were still in your financial services role. But for those listeners that uh, that are not fully clued in, um, you were on the chat show. Uh, so yeah, this is a chat chat show in Serbia, like the biggest evening show, like the I guess a Saturday night live equivalent of Serb in Serbia. So big audience and. My wife and I went on that chat show. I met the host. My wife and I met the host a few days before. We got to know each other. He found out that I'm into Bitcoin. Then we're on the chat show on the in the evening, um, actually in the afternoon because it's pre-recorded. And he asked me about my current job, and I'm there talking, bore, you know, monotonously about my my financial job. And then he 
butts in and interrupts me with is now a good time to talk about crypto and then that's when i decided yeah actually in my head no no it's not you know so i went straight in and said no it's not about crypto it's all about bitcoin and i went for like a two three minute um monologue about bitcoin and then the show went down really well lots of views and everything my wife and i are very happy but then meanwhile it gets picked up by a lot of Bitcoiners out there and uh, it starts starts doing the rounds. And next thing you know, it starts getting going back to me. And then I'm then speaking to the likes of you guys. <laughs> One thing led to another. And I have a job in London. Well, I say in London. It's uh, I was working, been remote, working remotely since COVID. Uh, since the pandemic dropped in 2020, I moved to Belgrade because I was able to move my UK job there. And, they, and I said to them, I'll come back to, to London when, things are, when times are good. But when times were good about a year ago and I could work that out, they're like, come back to London. I was like, nah, I'm good here. That was about a year ago. And then then the talk show happened in um, March early this year. And then one thing led to another. Met Samson. He says, he's hiring me. And I said, of course, I'm on board. And then, of course, it's going to take a few months to transition out my job. And here I am, actually, my last week of my job right now. <laughs> I'm calling in from a meeting room in my uh, in my fiat job right now, and my last days in two days. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We couldn't wow. have timed this any better. Yeah. Excellent uh, timing. Yeah. So, Samson, for, for you, it was just, I mean, you had a prince fall in your lap. As you're starting nation state adoption, Bitcoin has a funny way of working, huh? How it just, uh, that it, not only is it a, a monetary network, it seems to be like it networks us all into where we need to go. There's actually a funny story out of Baltic Honey Badger. So that was where we uh, announced uh, Prince Philip was joining Jan 3. And the morning before we did the announcement, I think we announced it at 1 p.m. or so, right, Philip? Mm -hmm. It was about that, yeah. Yeah, so... Apparently, Adam Back met uh, Prince Philip and he was like hanging out in the lobby and talking to a lot of people. And he was telling everyone, you know, Prince Philip should join Jan 3. <laughs> a couple hours later, we made the announcement and Adam was like, ha, I, I knew it. <laughs> what a savant. Well, but just is... a little bit of history is that I, I do. Yeah, actually, no, Samson talked about it, that I work in financial services, asset management. So, you know, I got I got a firsthand experience on the, the legacy financial system. So I've seen its inefficiencies firsthand. And I've always known that this has been an issue for many, many years. And it wasn't until I studied more about Bitcoin in the last two, three years that I realized I'm, I'm, I'm a Bitcoin maxi. Yeah. How so... did they go ahead, Samson? I was just going to say, it makes sense that uh, Prince Philip joins Jan 3 on a, a number of levels. And, you know, it's very apparent that it's a very good fit on a number of reasons for like the Bitcoin bonds, too. So I think we did a good job designing them. But in the future, working with more nation states, designing these types of financial instruments, I think Philip could add a lot more to to uh, making some better products out there. So, Philip, how did they take the resignation? Well, since I didn't want to move back to London, well, not move back, go back to London every few weeks to work, and I was happy in Belgrade, they sort of knew it was on the cards. And, you know, they're not, they're not dumb. They're, it's, they're a clever company, so they've sort of figured it out. Not figured it out, but they, when I told them the news, they were like, yeah, it wasn't a shock. But, yeah, it's sort of I ha I, they have mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings because I've been working in this company uh, for nine and a half years. And they helped me a lot to uh, to my professional career and understand about a lot about how how the legacy financial system works and all that. And they've been good to me actually. They have been good to me. But um, yeah, it's not my it's not my thing. I'm not passionate about it. 
and I'm fully committed to Bitcoin. So once you figure out Bitcoin, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Were they um, upset that you're talking about Bitcoin all the time? They haven't really <laughs> talked. I've spoken to a few of my personal closer friends here in, in, in the company, but the, uh, the high level people, they haven't picked up on it yet. Or maybe they do, but they just don't bother speaking to me about it. But I have said some pretty big things. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah, I guess the, the legacy financial world. But, you know, it's, all, it's, it's fun and games for the time being. <laughs> so this is your first time back in the actual office for a number of years? For two years and three months. No, first back in time in the office since, uh, since, the, since it, uh, COVID dropped in March when we all left the office in the middle of March 2020. And the first time back in the UK since uh, when I moved back to Serbia, June 2020. It's strange being back here, actually. It's, uh, yeah, it's like nothing's really changed here. And I've done so much in Serbia. I've done so much for my wife, my son. I've, uh, we met so many people, been around so many places, done so many things, worked on a lot of things. And and then coming back here, it's like nothing changed here. It's like I was away on a big on, on a long holiday and things are the same here. And people are just, yeah, it's, it's I'm just really happy that what how things have turned out by moving to Serbia and by, by the way things have turned out and managing to get to get invited on that talk show and like here we are today so for me it's quite a uh it's 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 a it's a warming experience and i'm and i'm and i'm happy and i'm really and i'm really excited for the journey ahead for the, for the adventure ahead of us but Prince i think philip are, are you sure nothing has changed the pound isn't looking too good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody yeah and everybody's yeah, looking at their he's... electricity bill yeah, well, that that's it. There is actually no. I my wife and I, because she's here. We're, I'm here with my son at the moment. We have noticed that there is more of a an air of tension out there. There's people you can see that there is. There's not. It's not it's, before before when we left. Well, when I was going into the office in 2019, people were a bit carefree and stuff. And now I can see people a little bit more tense. And then today with the announcements of. Uh, Mm-hmm. Of uh, of the Bank of England going back to QE and stuff, saying they have a plan and everything and all that. It's uh, a temporary plan, no less. A temporary plan, yes, of course. It's, it's uh, here we go again. Here we go again. It's the fiat world is uh, is well, uh, yeah. They're the first major central bank to to signal pivoting, but pivoting, and they, I don't think they'll be the last. So the fiat system is really on the on the ropes right now. But what's the feel in the uh, legacy financial offices? You've got only two days left to feel this. Like, is there now optimism? Are they like, oh, we've no. been saved again? Like, no, what, no, what no. What you no. got to do is send a all hands, all company memo buy Bitcoin while you still can. CC all, yeah, CC all, leave, and that's it. You know, drop, uh, yeah, drop the mic on the way out or something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But the, the, what what what's the no because one's... I remember in, in financial markets in two thousand and eight everybody breathed a sigh of relief. We were like, oh, thank God they did this. You know, TARP was like this is the only thing they could have done, and now we've all saved. And th- looking back now, that was just complete and total um, hubris, uh, for mm. want of a better word. Um, but I'll what be have honest, we learned? I'll be like, honest with you. People here are not really talking about the the extreme conditions we're under right now. What's going out there? People here are still a little bit um, clueless, naive. Unbelievable. Yeah, still. And I speak to some macroeconomic specialists over here. They they're a bit more clued up and stuff. They know something's up as well. But still, though, it's under the belief that everything's going to be okay, sort of thing. And not that I'm you know not that we're uh, that fear mongering, but really it's not. It's not okay. 
So are we the only ones on Bitcoin Twitter talking about this ridiculous idea of, you know, more inflation, the, the actual definition of inflation, and the fact that this is no accident that a gas pipeline has blown up under the ocean? That's it. No one was talking about. I mean, you know, people were talking about Nord Stream two uh, being uh, sabotaged, <laughs> and people. And then, but when uh, when the Bank of England dropped their news today, not many, no one was really talking about it. It's just like business as usual. It wasn't like, oh my god, you know, let's talk about it and stuff. It's just like this. Just carry on. Although I do work in a quant team, I worked in a quant team, and they they're not really too affected by. Um, by major economical uh, themes like that, but I'm surrounded by a bunch of fundamental analysts, and they should be talking about this. And there wasn't like an like a, a, a an air of uh, of 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 not fear, but at least a bustling of people talking about it. Oh, you know that's interesting and all that. No, it's a business as usual over here. Samson, has it ever crossed your mind like uh, fundamental analysts? How do they not get Bitcoin? There is nothing more fundamental. <laughs> to study like that's it well it has a lot to do with people not understanding what money is so in the worldview mm -hmm. of many today they just don't see bitcoin as money they see it as some you know some tech stock or maybe at best some internet money that's a fad but they don't really understand what money actually is and i think without that missing connection like when you've been indoctrinated from elementary school to adulthood that money is that piece of paper in your pocket and you know a central bank is a thing that manages the money you kind of don't take a more holistic view of the system and that's why bitcoin is so important because it opens your eyes it's the orange pill that lets you wake up and see that this is not money this is mm. just some sort of instrument that someone's created is probably more akin to what we would call a, a altcoin or a shitcoin, but uh, it's not really money, right? It's just something that, that has no basis of value anymore. It did at one point, but then you, you, they kind of went proof of stake. So now it's just paper <laughs> printed out of thin air. And I think Bitcoin is a, a way that people can awaken. But if you're already so deep in the system, especially if you're working in asset management and finance, you probably can't even see it. It's like looking at the, the forest and not seeing the trees. Mm. So as far as Jan 3 is concerned, is this the team? Are there other people? There's other people. We haven't announced yet. So we're... Uh, There's other people. Okay. There, there are more. <laughs> you, you guys love keeping stuff up your sleeve. All right, fine. Um, but if we, if we wind back to the announcement in Miami, uh, we had the, the, the classic post-conference dump, which... You know, it was pretty heavy, and we're still in it. Some would say, "What's how's that affected?" Uh, uh, it's a double barrel question. I'll ask Samson first. How's that affected Jan three in any way? Has there been any kind of um, rethinking, reshaping? What uh, was anything kind of pegged to that price of the day? Was this a project you already had, uh, you know, lined up in in place? Anything at all that you're able to share with us? Well, we don't really care that much about the price. Um, even if uh, Bitcoin went down to, I don't know, 10K or something, we would still be focusing on what we're doing. Um, and I think right now is a pivotal moment, pivotal moment in human history where we really need to get the message of Bitcoin out. So I think 
uh, for a lot of us, um, so this is not the whole team. There's uh, Doogie, Edwin, Jonathan, and a couple others. But um, I think for us, the mission is more important. And the mission is to make people aware of Bitcoin and to get more people into Bitcoin while we still can. Um, an analogy I like to use is the, the book, uh, now TV series, Foundation, right? The fall of fiat is coming. And we need to try to soften the fall and to the best way to soften the fall is to have countries adopting Bitcoin and running both systems in parallel versus mm -hmm. a complete collapse descent into utter chaos and probably a lot of human misery and then shifting into Bitcoin. So it's better to have both in parallel. So I think the mission is the same. And um, mm -hmm. Philip, I don't know if you agree, but uh, yeah. I would be doing this regardless because I think we need to do it. Did any conversations? Sorry, Philip. I'm going to come to you. No, Did no, any conversations uh, change with anyone that you had lined up? Did you have nation states already in the pipeline that you were talking with? I know you bought the. Um, was it a senator from Mexico? I don't want to get her name wrong. Um, did Indira that Compass. Right. Okay. Did did those ongoing conversations change because you and I and Philip, everyone on this call, and probably listening to this podcast we're oblivious to the price changes the people you're trying to orange pill are not they are very very tuned in to that did you feel did you have to change something your approach like what kind of questions were you answering so i would say there's a there are a few aspects to it based on price so one is obviously when the price is high when we're pushing all-time highs there's a lot more interest but i don't know if that interest would translate into easier access and meetings getting set up with uh, governments. Um, but I would say the other dimension is probably the, the reason why the price is down is a lot of the DeFi contagion, the three arrows crash and the Terra Luna things, right? And that probably has more of an impact than the price itself because um, governments are hesitant to engage with quote unquote crypto, right? They still see Bitcoin as a part of crypto, whereas we are very clear that Bitcoin is separate from all of crypto, right? But in their eyes, we're the same thing. So it is, I would say it is a bit harder to get meetings. We were trying to line up a meeting with the president of Korea. And you know, obviously the, the Terra Luna stuff was closer to home there than elsewhere, but <laughs> it's definitely a factor in not getting that meeting. Um, but for sure, he's now on the run. Yeah, but uh, in in terms of like other places like Mexico, I think the expectation was always that Mexico would be a long and arduous road to get orange pilled just because they have a central bank. We have a very good argument for why Bitcoin, and that's the financial freedom and financial inclusion angle. Um, but again, it's you're fighting against a country with a strong central bank and a relatively strong economy and currency. But things are changing, right? Like you can see in... Uh, in the UK, it changes very rapidly. So mm -hmm. it's difficult to predict the future, but obviously you know, a higher Bitcoin price does make it uh, more interesting for people to look at. At that level of conversation, how easy is it to get across the fact that, you know, Bitcoin, not crypto, for example, like it, to us, it's a meme. Explaining that to heads of state or presidents or prime ministers, or even kings, queens, princes now, uh, Philip, uh, that mm. we can't just throw a meme out 
uh, have you guys got a strategy around that or like uh, is it, have you found a golden kind of sentence that you're able to hold their every, hand every every individual is different when it comes to education but the the, the common theme is uh, is that samson explained is the history of money i think when you do teach people the history of money they 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 tend to understand what bitcoin is a lot better and there's some heads of state and some monarchs that are closer to that edu- closer to that way of thinking than others so because it's 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 yeah it's a discretionary approach that we have to take with um, which individual nation politician monarch ceo and influencer or anything like that so yeah but for yeah. um for kings and queens you, you've got to think you, like you so yeah the the bitcoin and and, and monarchies have a lot of have a lot of synergies mm. Um, number one, I think it's the low time preference thing. You know, um, monarchs, monarchies, royal families think about the long term horizon. They 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 have to make prudent decisions that uh, last the ages, that last generations. They want to make sure that their children's children's and children's children's children going on for millennia are still there as the monarch or the royal family still functioning. So if they make a bad decision today, a rash decision, a badly planned decision. That could jeopardize their succession for for forever. So the other the other thing is uh, strong property rights, Bitcoin and property rights. It's 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 paramount to uh, to why we need to Bitcoin and why we need to have our individual property rights. And monarchies are about that strong property right, not just for the royal family, but for the people that live within a nation of that monarchy. That if they don't have strong property rights or good property rights, then they aren't free, and so they are more tendent. They will they'll tend more to rebel against the monarch who has everything. If the monarch takes care of his people, and the people are happy and they have what they need, and the monarch doesn't take too much from them from them. This is I'm talking about an absolute monarchy. Then that will last for for a long time and. Peace, stability, and, and unity carries on for, uh, for 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 a long time. If the monarch starts making bad decisions, starts taking people's uh, property rights away, and starts pillaging and all that sort of stuff, that's not going to last. So, Bitcoin, strong property, individual property rights, monarchy, strong property rights. Bitcoin, low time preference, monarchy's low time preference. It's beautiful. So, yes, I think when we speak to a monarch, I think some individuals like. Um, Prince Hans Adam of uh, Liechtenstein should get it. He has a uh, an understanding of Austrian economics. He's a uh, he's a um, an intellectual himself. He's written that really uh, that great book, which I'm yet to read. Which is uh, what's it called? You should know. <laughs> uh, third state. The oh, God. Third something. Uh, what's it called? I'm out of my depth, guys. I'm out oh, of my element right now. I, I don't know the book. It's called. It's called. No, it's going to come back to me. It's. Um, uh, Do you remember state, we the state in the third millennium. That's it. Yes, that's it. <laughs> and remember, we said no edits. No edits. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> and it's very similar to um, Hans Hermann Hoppe's book, which I'm yet to read. I just got uh, the book right now. Both those books on Amazon here in my UK office. Mm-hmm. Democracy, the God that failed, and. Mm-hmm. And Han- Prince, Han- Prince Hans's book as well, and they argue the case of, of why monarchy, yeah. and it's something that you know, and and it's closely linked to Austrian economics and all that. So when you're looking at the you know, when you're orange pilling a, a monarch, I think it's quite easy 
to explain him with that angle. I've got a you've got to think as well um, how they've been used by the state. And when you think about how insidious this is, it's their picture on the slave tokens that we work for. I know that we've been gaslit into believing has any kind of value. Yeah, it's horrible it, to think that. It's disgusting. When it was backed by gold, it was excusable. But when that was taken away, when that standard was taken away, so now then King Charles his... is going to have his hmm? face printed all over. Arguably, one of the worst currencies out there at the moment. <laughs> well, think of the ESG impact on having to take yes. back all the old bills, print new ones, mm. and reissue all of that. No one's talking about that stuff now, but I'm um, no, pretty sure that has not. a big environmental footprint in a number of countries. Canada too, right? We have to redo everything. But That's it's true. because those pictures are on those banknotes that so many people believe that they hold value and mm -hmm. believe that they are so they're being completely and totally used when i speak yeah, to it's norms, not just the monarchy no when <laughs> i speak just to monarchy. norms yeah when i speak to norms recently they still think that money is backed by gold they think that all fiat is backed by gold please Trust no me. one in your office yes <laughs> Yeah, but going no back one, to your... no one, not not the fundamental aspect. Let's call some other guys maybe working in marketing and other things like mm -hmm. that, and then some people, uh, other people outside of the industry as well. I've been speaking to, yeah, recently. Yeah, but going back to your original question, <laughs> I don't think yep. there's a silver bullet where you can just say it's Bitcoin and it's different than crypto. Yeah, right. um, there's just too much. Uh, like the entire premise of crypto is that it tries to anchor itself to Bitcoin, right? Everything is effectively a derivative of Bitcoin in some way or form. And it they present themselves as an upgrade to Bitcoin in some cases too. So the, you have like the 16,000, probably more now, uh, of altcoins all trying to say they are like Bitcoin. And then you have Bitcoin, which is just the, the Bitcoin community, which is like us saying they're not the same. So it's it's a uphill battle, right? They're constantly going to try to anchor themselves to Bitcoin just like affinity scams do. And we just have to try to reinforce that message and try to get that message out on um, bigger and bigger channels. So one of the things that we want to do at Jan3 is to get onto more mainstream channels and spread that message because I think that's really the only way to be to be louder and more, more constant in our messaging than the altcoins. Mm. So if any plebs are listening that might be able to help you in any way get onto more mainstream channels, what what's what's the ask? What what are you are you looking for? News slots, national television, uh yeah. articles, anything at all? Anyone anything. anyone can reach out and, and help you guys if they can connect you in any way. Yeah, if That's you want it. to help, just uh, email us at coffee at jan3.com and uh you know Let's see, like really everything we're doing is sort of amplification of grassroots, right? Um, we have people around the world that want to help and they're, they've been helping us do letter writing campaigns to try to arrange meetings with the, the president or prime minister. But um, this is the same thing. If you have a, a connection to someone at a newspaper or uh, with a mainstream podcast or with uh, access well, well, to mainstream television, then let's do it. Also, yeah. to try. Are you, saying, are you saying this is not a mainstream podcast? <laughs> uh, eventually, it will be. 
That's this. Yes, big, yes. It as, will as, be. You're as, right. As, yeah. as, as Charles Schwab says, you know, we need to penetrate the mainstream. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so we we need to we need to also access um, conferences that are not Bitcoin only because it's great going to Bitcoin only conferences and talking mm. with uh, fellow Bitcoiners and networking. But we also have to access some uh, hostile grounds and go to some non non you know some other conferences where we have to sell Bitcoin, I guess, and sell the story and get conversations started there. Have you? I mean, we've got Liberty in our lifetime coming up, which is not a completely uniquely only Bitcoin. There's there's going to be lots of kind of freedom minded people there, so I'm yes. looking forward to that. Uh, do you guys have any other conferences that you've got your eyes on, or you, you're going to be well, going? You know, to? I was actually on one not too long ago in uh, April, end of April, on the day that my older brother abdicated, my favorite, uh, April twenty seventh. Uh, that morning, I was on a uh, I, I remoted into a uh, an economical forum podcast mm -hmm. <laughs> not WEF but another one in a Balkan one and I was sat on a panel talking about crypto and these other people were there from one from Dubai another person from Greece talking about uh, fan coins and then someone else talking about blockchain and things like that and it was just really cringe but I had my go of just telling them like like guys if it wasn't for Bitcoin you guys wouldn't be talking about this right now so focus on Bitcoin, learn about it. It's actually solving real world problems and solutions. And, you know, I like give them the energy, the energy debate, the, the energy. Um, how, and, uh, Bitcoin's not just a managed revolution, it's an energy, re energy revolution, how Exxon is now using it to to lower their carb, their ESG, their, uh, to improve their ESG score, how it can make your, uh, you know, how it can be in, uh, a net, uh, not net, sorry, uh, and, um, how it can actually you know I'm not into the carbon thing of course, but how it can actually improve your uh, your your carbon neutrality and make it make it zero or uh, negative or something like that. How, mm -hmm. You know, and so, I was talking about this and uh, people were like mm -hmm, yeah yeah, mm -hmm, but there was no follow ups. But that was remote. But if I was there in person, I could have at least try and uh, be a little bit more aggressive in my conversations with people. So uh, I can't ignore. The, the word abdication there because none of oh, us yes. really would ever have experienced or are going <laughs> to experience anything like that in our lives. What went down? What, um, why did your older brother abdicate and uh, why are you now? Uh... So this is something that's been in the air for many, many, many years. My older brother, Peter, not really he's not really into the whole thing of monarchy not that he's against monarchy but he's you know he's an artist he likes to do his own thing and i wasn't that bothered but i was more into i i'm more into i was more into it put it that way and we always thought that he would advocate at some point and it wasn't until I got married to 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 my to my wife, Danny, it's a Serbian, and we had our son that I really realized that I've got to make a difference over here. We've got a fantastic name, really great uh, history, heritage, dynasty that I need to uh, need to work on. That I want to leave a better future for my son, and that's when I started discovering more about Bitcoin and everything, and I realized that we can actually make a difference in this world finally. And then wasn't until actually this was a very. Uh, uh, exciting year for me that after the show after i went to miami and after i got offered a job a few weeks later we went to meet my older brother i went to meet my older brother and we and he abdicated we did like a ceremony try to make it very nice and um a little bit pompous i guess 
and he signed over his uh, his hereditary rights to me. So he keeps his title, but his but I'm now the uh, the hereditary prince. After my so my, if there was a monarchy in Serbia, my father would be king, and now I'll be the the crown prince. And so that gives me a little bit more legitimacy. And though it's it's great. I mean, it's some it's it finally happened after so many years. And my brother, he wants his privacy, his peace, and not to be in the spotlight or anything. I want Bitcoin to be in the spotlight. <laughs> so, <I'm here. laughs> so it's so, a perfect yeah, match. It's a perfect match, yeah. And I want to do great things for Serbia, and I want and I have a you know have a lot of plans for Serbia, not just about Bitcoin, but Bitcoin's a big part of that. So for me, it's it's just it was just natural to do that. So it's been it's been quite a ride this year. What needs to happen? for the monarchy to be reinstated again excuse the dumb questions but no it, it would probably be come down to a vote a referendum but it's also could probably be organized by uh, by the government because technically the constitution that we have is our is the constitution that was uh from the royal days which was then changed into their socialist um communist constitution in 1947 it was properly signed or 1943, sorry. I should know this. You won't be able to edit this. So anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it just shows that you're human. Yeah. You know, you're yeah I mean... <laughs> and so it's actually quite easy to change that constitution back to being a monarchy, to being, uh, to being, to being a constitutional monarchy. So really, it doesn't require that much on the constitutional side. On the demographical side of actually getting people to 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 go ahead with it, um, it's not that far, far. It's not that far reach of a thing. It's not out of this world. Uh, Serbia, as it is right now, is quite homogenous um, uh, country. It's like ninety percent uh, Serbian Orthodox, which is our, the main religion, which is the religion of the of the of the crown and the crown and the, and the Orthodox Church are very closely linked. Um, Serbia has a long history of mon of of being a, of being a monarch of being um, of having kings. It's been more of a monarchy than as than it has been a, a republic. So it's it's there. It's people people identify themselves as a country of 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 mon of, uh, of royal of royal um, heritage. So it's it, if, if with the right conditions and the right people more, uh, royal family members doing the right things i'm not pointing at myself but just doing the right things and saying the right things and making a difference and working on 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 making serbia a better place which i'm trying to do then it's not out of the question it probably won't happen in my my lifetime but it might get closer and i don't want it i don't care if it happens in my lifetime i'm just trying to pay for it to happen eventually well it might happen in your lifetime things are rapidly accelerating and yeah it, it could be that uh you get both at once you get the restoration of the monarchy and a bitcoin standard well, hopefully all, people all yeah and we have to sell we have to sell the idea of why monarchy uh, creates a stable a stable society and in, in this world we need stability because if you look what's happening in the west they've gone well well left and it's they need they need a bit of rightening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're seeing that in Italy right now, right? Yeah, with yes. their new PM, and well, then you're it, getting a warning from the the French president saying, you know, we're gonna or the yeah. EU president. I forgot which one. No, saying, no, there's Ursula, Ursula saying, yeah, Ursula saying before the vote during the quiet period of of campaigning, <laughs> she said when they're not meant to be campaigning, she went out and said, oh, we have tools to fix this if if she gets into power. Said something wow. along those lines. 
but she's actually actually her policies she's actually yeah she comes from a bit of a far right um party but actually you know she they've actually a bit more center right right to center they're not extreme at all it's just we've all gone so far left that anything out of that little yeah. top right top top left hand cor uh, corner and that in the in the in the political spectrum anything out of that little box in the top left hand corner is extreme right these days mm-hmm that's the world that we live in right now. Yeah. The center is basically right now. Because the center the... is right. Yeah. Left to center is right. Yeah. And it's causing all this bullshit happening in this world, this clown world that we all like to call right now, that we all joke about. It's it's it's, it's greatly entertaining, I gotta say, you know, seeing it all unfold, but it's also really depressing. And seeing how people are just this this uh decadence happening this degenerate behavior happening around the, around the world and we're sort of the fiat system celebrates that uh, that decadence and it sort of it it, it excuses it mm -hmm. and it makes life just like as if it's carefree and we can just patch it over with some more fiat and and stupid regulations and this and that when we should get back to being responsible human beings and, and exercising prudent uh prudent decisions and, and decisions actually affect that are good for well, yeah, humanity. I don't know. I can I can well, ramble the, on. The problem is that they think that their decisions are good for humanity, right? It's yeah, uh, yeah. well-meaning, but poorly informed and poorly researched. And there's this lack of thinking of how things fit together as a holistic system. That's they just it. keep on making little changes. And those changes are good for them. Maybe it's good for their career, but they're very detrimental to the system at whole. So my background is game development, right? And I'm just watching all this unfold and you're seeing more and more of these little changes pile on and pile on with knock-on effects because they don't know how to look at an entire system of how something functions and seeing the impact of one small change in that system. It's like literally throwing a monkey wrench into a well-oiled machine. You can maybe get away with one, but as you put a hundred of them in, that machine is going to die. And that's exactly what we're seeing today. The entire finance system is on the brink of collapse. And an energy system, which is worse than a financial well, collapse. Yeah. It's the it's a two it's, it's two sides two, of the yeah, same coin. Right? Yeah, exactly. Energy yeah. and money is the same thing. And you would think that people would understand that, but it's just like what I said before about money. People don't understand what money is. People don't understand what energy is either. Yeah. They live in cities with modern amenities, with abundant power. And and then they, they think, well, well, we got to take like, it all stop. for granted. Yeah, we got to stop doing this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of forget that you live in this system. You're you're trying to change the system that supports your current lifestyle and standards. Mm. And that's just not possible. So, Samson, I, I, I'm, I wonder if you guys have read the um, Confessions of a, an Economic Hitman by, it's on by my John list. Perkins. Okay. It's on my list. Uh, yeah, I listened to the one podcast episode about that. Fantastic. Yeah, it, it's very, very interesting. And and I would love to know, uh, once you've read it, Samson, I'd love to know your thoughts on, um, because I'm sure you'll reflect on some of the conversations you've had with uh, your nation state adoption um, kind of uh, push here, because a lot of these people are already captured by the fiat system and they would never be able to even entertain the idea. Maybe they'll take a meeting, uh, but you know, as far as actually implementing some kind of, I mean, Bukele is an absolute outlier for sure. 
uh, we've got a little bit of an outlier as well in, uh, in Madeira with uh, President Albuquerque, where he seems um, very hell-bent on uh, backing an educational project to make sure everybody on the island uh, is getting up to speed with what's going on and to attract business and tourism and you know do something for his island. Uh, but still, he can only work in a tiny kind of space that he's allowed to. Do you foresee what needs to change for those people to have that that kind of courage that Bukele has? Well, I think change is going to be forced into into nation states just regardless of the entrenched powers that be like i i fully agree with what you're saying that um you know they're so captured it's difficult to change a system but the beautiful thing is the systems that they're propagating are breaking and the the solution is not to keep them there and the people are starting to realize this that's why you're seeing this resurgence of common sense around the world and El Salvador, of course, was one of the first places that you saw that, right? They uh, they obviously had the longest path to go from the massive amount of corruption and pillaging that prior governments did to the country to President Bukele, which is, you know, fixing the, the gang problem, fixing the economy, fixing the money. And it just, I think that's a beacon of hope that it is fixable. If El Salvador can go from the murder capital the world to you know paradise then there is hope for us in other places too and another example is canada so technically uh trudeau could remain in power forever because we don't have term limits in canada so it was oh, funny wow. watching everyone on can in bitcoin twitter flip out about uh bookley <laughs> extending and running again but um in canada it's pretty bad like you could have a dictator for, for life because there is no term limit. If they can control the media, control the populace, which ex exactly is what we have, the media is totally captured like by the uh, the current powers that be, the liberal left. But um, yeah, they could stay in power pretty much indefinitely. But we, we do see hope because now Pierre Polyev has won leadership of the Conservative Party. We've had a massive amount of people joining the Conservative Party. I joined the Conservative Party. And 20 years ago, I was a card-carrying liberal. So you can see how the shift has changed, right? Like, seriously, like when we, we joke about it, but seriously, everyone that is centrist is now right, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's just the dynamic of the current shift in, in politics. But um, he, he brought in like uh, 300,000 people to join the Conservative Party. And there's more people voting for him in the Conservative Party than has ever voted for any conservative leader before. So I would say people are starting to care about the situation, trying to do their part to rectify the situation. And there's actually a fighting chance that we could oust Trudeau. And part of it has to do with his own you know, undoing of his own hand, but it's also people starting to come to that realization that this system is broken. Um, and if you look at the message that Pierre is campaigning on, it's a lot... At its core, it's about fiscal responsibility. It's about stopping the government from using the central bank as an infinite piggy bank to fund whatever things they want to fund to maintain popularity. It's about basic fiscal responsibility 
which again, we as a civilization have largely lost. Like we teach our kids that, you know, you shouldn't spend more than your allowance. You can't actually. But then once you're in control of a country and you're heading a government, apparently that simple common sense rule no longer exists. And that's because the incentives are completely broken. Mm -hmm. You're incentivized to strip mine a country of its resources and economic prosperity to further your own political goals rather than actually trying to benefit everyone as a whole. And I think that has some direct tie to what Prince Philip was saying about monarchies. Like they they want to establish a win-win scenario. And there are problems with the dynamics of monarchies, but it's still a longer term outlook than a politician trying to just get reelected in a couple of years and really maximizing everything at his disposal to achieve that goal. Did you have any conversations at all with uh, uh, Pierre? Polier? Yeah, we have. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay. So, uh, because I, I, I know he has spoken about Bitcoin before and he has famously quoted uh, many lines from uh, the Bitcoin standard in an address in parliament, along with other uh, prominent Bitcoin authors as well. Uh, you know, Canada gang is strong. I know you've got some firepower down there yourself, Jeff, Brad, um, NVK, NVK, uh, Francis and John, then they're, they're not on the ground anymore, but they're still very, very persuasive young, uh, young men in the Bitcoin space. Uh, Ben as well. So I have hope. Um, can you share any of the conversations that you had with Pierre? Like how, how open do, do you find him? And uh, is he, you know, beginning to understand that Bitcoin is, you know, does fix this? Well, we only had one meeting, so I'm, I don't want to talk too much about it, but I would say from my impression, he is legit. He's not just using uh, Bitcoin to you know gain support. And obviously, with the the Bitcoin price as it is, I don't think it would help his case. Um, and I, I believe the more important thing is to look at his messaging and his understanding of the current situation and what he thinks we need to do to fix it. And it doesn't really have any direct correlation to Bitcoin. The things that he's saying, the quotes that he is using from you know Bitcoin books, these are just common sense. And, and at the end of the day, Bitcoin is really common sense. Mm -hmm. You just want a money that no one can debase and mess with, right? And you can have custody of yourself. That's really Bitcoin at, at its crux. Even if we threw away the blockchain and everything else, if you could accomplish that with any other technology, that would be good enough for me, right? That's really what we want. We want sound money. Bitcoin is a means to an end. So it doesn't really matter if Pierre is saying Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin in any speech. But if he's educating people on the principles of sound money and fiscal responsibility, I think it's the same thing. Yeah, here. Yeah. You don't know any, uh, there's no monarchy over there, Phil, that you can, uh, you know. But there is a monarchy. There is. It's a British monarchy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Then... Looks, and since the pound now is, tr is trading like a shit coin, it's a good time to go and have <laughs> meetings with uh, with the Bank of England and, uh, <laughs> and put forward the case for sound money, fiscal responsibility, and yeah. <laughs> but there, 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 there's no kind of uh, leftover um monarchs living in canada 
Yes, on the Har- ground. Harry, Harry and Meghan, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think oh, they were here. Yeah, we should reach were... out. We should reach out. That'd be yeah, awesome. They've they become a bit woke. <laughs> they've become a bit woke, haven't they? They have. <clears throat> Bitcoin Twitter would be all over that. They'd be, all me- over that, they'd yeah. be memeing Jan 3 to the high heavens. Do you imagine that if we turn them around? <laughs> well, there's always a possibility. The there thing is. is, reality and physics have a strange way of fixing things, <laughs> whether you like it or not, right? <laughs> thermodynamics exactly uh, you can't get around thermodynamics that would be amazing wouldn't it to uh for for the for the british monarchy to um to get orange pilled and then sneak in sound money through the back door via canada imagine that all right i think we have a master plan right here guys jan three uh this is uh this is on the this is on the drawing board now i know samson's game for anything (laughs) It's always there's lots of things on the drawing board. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right. Is there any um anything else that uh you're able to discuss, Samson? But I, I don't want to pry, uh, uh, but I know that you've got a lot of things coming up, um, things for the future, and there's there are only so many things that you can announce. Um, is there anything we haven't touched on that you're you're happy to um kind of let us in on? Well, I don't want to uh, I don't want to lead people on. So <laughs> I think it's better if we get some concrete results and then we'll come and talk about them rather than um, conjecting about what could happen. There's just all I can say there are a lot of discussions happening. There are a lot of Bitcoiners around the world interested to try to affect change and make things happen. And we are engaging with them on a regular basis. So it's just a matter of time at this point. And how can the plebs help you guys? Obviously, we we spoke earlier about um, connecting you in any way, shape, or form. Uh, for those in the higher echelons, maybe of uh, of the Bitcoin space, are you looking for uh, investment? Are you looking for um, people to join uh, as advisors or directors? Is there an ask out there at the moment? Sure, investments always welcome. So uh, if you're interested, <laughs> <laughs> hit us up and. Um... I think in the coming months, we're going to look at ramping up engineering. Um, so that's another aspect that we're going to focus on for recruiting. Would that be focused on the wallet that you talked about in the beginning? Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. Um, all right. We'll just throw an ad up on Bitcoin of Jobs, and I'm sure you'll get uh, you know a bunch of applicants. Um, but before we we close it down, I've got to ask you both, obviously, the, the final question. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Samson. If you had just one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? So the orange pill is 100% effective, right? Yep. I would give it to Elon Musk. It's it's really annoying watching him talk about Dogecoin. So I would just give it to him just to shut him up and just have him stack stats. And his millions of followers. Yeah, that's a good benefit too. Would he change business practices, do you think, if he was completely orange-pilled? Yeah, he'd stop making electric cars, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> stop mining lithium and trying to attempt to mine... Well, it's not him directly, but yeah. Start trying to mine lithium in Serbia. Right. But you managed to put on pause right now, Rio Tinto, trying to mine lithium in Serbia. We put that on pause. By You've managed to stop year. it? On pause. On pause. Okay. On pause. That's good enough for now. All right, then, Phil, come on. So last time I said it was the patriarch, right? And yes. then this time I know you know where it's going. 
you know what's going to, I'm going to say. Well, yeah, uh, Harry and yeah. Meghan. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say uh, Novak Djokovic this time. Oh yes, of course I know that. Of yeah, course. you're gonna line up. You're gonna line up a dinner he for is, us. Yeah, right? yeah and we're sure all gonna fly over. He knows about Bitcoin. I'm, you know, he knows. I know. I think. I think even Safety in the Moose uh, spoke at one of his conferences to do with. Uh, oh, I forgot the other type. It was a conference to do with um, property, prop, peace and property. Any something to do with that? He did organize a com conference in Bodrum like last year, and Safety actually spoke at it. So he knows, and he was very impressed about safety in his talk. But he's not. If he's a Bitcoiner, great. But he should be a public Bitcoiner because he is—he's a, a freedom fighter. He's a—you know—he's about the individual, about the sovereign individual. I know this. It's so I would like that orange pill to be highly effective, but also not just to be highly effective, but to be for him to be very vocal about it, because that will sway a lot of people. How close are you to making that happen? Like a, a meeting I'm, at least. I'm uh, my degree on on a few connections away, yeah, from from him. So like I'm I'm just a good degree away. So we'll hopefully make a connection with him eventually. That'll and get be a, awesome. Get a crew of uh, Bitcoiners to uh, to join that meeting and just make sure he really gets it, which I'm sure he does. But that's awesome. That will probably be his second calling in life: the best tennis player in the world, and then a, a Bitcoiner. I can't argue with that. I can't argue with any of the answers because there are no wrong answers. All right, <laughs> guys, it's been uh, it's been a pleasure to to have you on the show, Samson. Thank you for explaining a user activated soft fork to an eleven year old. I think that's going to go a long way to helping people understand, uh, especially those of us that weren't around in those days. Um, I think what you're doing at Jan three, you know, hats off to you both. Uh, it's such a, an amazing thing, uh, a decision. Obviously, you didn't take lightly, Samson. You, as I said at the beginning, you, you left Blockstream, an amazing company, done incredible things in the space. That couldn't have been an easy decision to make. Phil, I know your decision was easy because mm -hmm. I was sitting on the balcony having beers with you afterwards and you were giddy <laughs> like a schoolgirl. So <laughs> it was just an amazing thing to see. So thank you both so much for giving up your time and what, uh, what you're doing for Bitcoin and what you're going to be able to achieve. And I really look forward to seeing what happens over the rest of this year and into 2023. Yeah, thank you, Daniel, for having us on. Thank Always a pleasure talking. All right, guys, take care. Take care. Take care. Hey, guys, hope you enjoyed that episode with Samson Mao and Prince Philip of Serbia and Yugoslavia, who are going to hopefully manage to uh, infiltrate, shall we use Klaus Schwab's own words here, uh, royal families and uh, those in positions of political persuasion uh, around the world and start pushing this message of Bitcoin into the, the, the corners of these mysterious secret rooms that we're all locked out of uh, to to help make change for the betterment of not only uh, the people that live directly within that jurisdiction, but that country and ultimately the world and humanity. Because I think everybody that listens to this show has started to or has already realized that long ago. If you're new to Bitcoin, maybe you're still coming to some of these epiphanies that uh you know the bitcoin network 
has over you when you start plugging your life into it. So thank you guys for what you're doing. I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen. And thanks for giving up the time to come on the Once Bitten podcast. And the time you're giving up to, to fly around the world and meet these people, spend time with them, help educate them, go to the conferences, do the, um, the speaking, do the panels. This is a big toll. And um, it's definitely something not to be taken lightly by, by other people. You know, this is a lot of hard work and effort that goes into this. So well done. Hats off to you both. Um, and look forward to catching up in, in Amsterdam and in Prague. Uh, so if you guys want to come and um, meet these guys as well, get your ticket to Amsterdam. You're not too late. You can FOMO in. You can get a discount on that ticket. Hit the link in the show notes or use code BITTEN at checkout. If you want to come to Liberty in our lifetime in Prague, I believe Philip's going to be there as well. I'm going to be there. So is Stefan Levera and a bunch of other very cool people talking about Liberty in our lifetime. Will we ever see it? Can we make it happen? Or can we at least put these structures in place for our kids and the generations following us so they don't have to live in this extended clown world any more than they have to you can hit the link in the show notes for liberty in our lifetime you'll get a discount on that ticket too um get across to pacific bitcoin on the west coast swan are running that it's going to be a week of partying a two-day conference you can get a discount of course if you use the code prince and the links as always in the show notes stack with swan with coin corner and relay then coin join try it out wasabiwallet.io see if it's something you're interested in something you are looking to do more of but then take complete control not your keys not your coins get a signing device get the bitbox 02 hardware wallet from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten for five percent discount i know i've run out of music but i've always got to shill my friends your boys consensus network who are doing incredible work transforming as many bitcoin books into as many different languages as they can they're going to have a booth in amsterdam they're going to have a booth in edinburgh they're going to have a booth in prague go and buy a book from these guys you can use your lightning wallet they accept bitcoin you will get a discount if you do it that way and some of the authors, including myself, are going to be at the booth at specific times signing the books. So in Amsterdam, look out for myself, Knut and Svetsky, I believe, among others. Maybe even Jeff's going to be there signing some of his books as well. So it's definitely worth looking out for. Head over to the Consensus Network booth at the conference when you see it. And Ungovernable Misfits, if you want to rock some great merch at one of these conferences, check out what Max and Mr. Crown have done. You can get a 10% discount if you use the code BITTEN. Very cool t-shirts. Obsec friendly, some of them. Just go and see if there's something there that you like. If you love motorsport, get to Silverstone, 16th of October. There is a big meetup going on there. You can rock up and meet as many up to 200 plebs. There's going to be um, the motorsport, obviously, going on. Bitcoin racing are going to have two races that day. There's going to be speeches. There's going to be presentations. There's going to be a racing sim. Loads of good fun. And the day before that, 15th of October, there's a home game at Bedford and also a Bitcoin meetup being sh uh, put on by uh, the Bedford Town Football Club by Peter McCormack, who I'm sure everybody knows. It's a cool, fun event. 
We're going to be going to both of those events straight after Amsterdam and look forward to meeting some of you guys there. That's the end of this rip. Take care, guys. See you soon. See loads of you over the next week or so. And um, yeah, stay safe. Come up and say hi. See you.